Welcome to the Harvest Community Church Ohio podcast. Our passion is to welcome and care for wounded and hurting people where they are in their journey so that they may find purpose and joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed by listening today. Thank you for joining us, and God bless. Hey, good morning. Good to see you here. It's cold out there, isn't it? And I was—I thought, man, I wonder—I wonder if. How many people are going to show up? How many are going to stay home? There's probably a bunch at home sitting there on watching on the screen. You know, they're like, oh, it's a little too cold out there. I texted Christian uh, before I came. I texted him. I said, hey, uh, Christian, I'm not coming this morning. You're preaching. I'll be, I'll, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> he just sent back a, I'm out. I'm, I'm leaving the building now. Anyway. Well, we're continuing our series in the Gospel of John. We are. We're jumping right back in. You know, we had the, uh, the series that we did for Christmas. And then last week, if you were here, you know that we were back in John chapter 16. We're still in John 16. And the title of today's message is this. Uh, this is, a, I think there are books titled this. This is a quote. I don't know who said it, but it, it's always darkest before the dawn. It's always darkest before the dawn. And that is true. And, but look at this verse in relation to this. Look at this key verse today, Psalm 97, verse 2, clouds and darkness and thick darkness all are, are all around them. So, you know, I think of Mount Sinai and the lightning and the clouds and the darkness and the dust and all that kind of thing. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. In other words, God's always going to do what's right. Thank God for that, right? He's a righteous God, a just God. But we need to understand something. When God begins to move in your life, there's a kicking up of dust. There's a kicking up of darkness because that dust and everything, yeah, oh, God's on the move. Yeah, but when he's on the move, his feet, his unseen feet, kick up a darkness that surrounds us. It's like a dust storm, and you can't see a thing. And, and what does that force you to do? It forces you to walk by faith and not by sight, to walk by faith and not by sight. Have you ever been there where, God, are you moving in my life? What's going on? I mean, where are you? Or, or like the Lord said on the cross, why have you abandoned me? Have you left me? Do you care about me? Do you even care what's going on? I feel so lost and so alone. Why are these blessings or this blessing being withheld from me? Why is this darkness, this difficulty, this loss in my life? But in time, the dust settles, the darkness subsides, the sun rises, and we, go, we know that God is near, and everything's going to be okay. He's got this. So with that in mind, would you open up to John chapter 16, and we're going to be reading verses 16 to 24, and if you need a Bible or a pen or some notes, just raise your hand, and one of our ushers will pass that out to you, please. Just let them know you need that. And it's John chapter 16, verses 16 to 24. And, uh, and then we've got a prayer up there on the screen, and, and I'm going to pray that in just a moment. So, so let's go ahead and get those Bibles out, pens, notes. I encourage you to, to underline things and mark things in your, in your Bible.
Okay, if you just bow your heads with me as, as I pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we are often left to walk in darkness, and you planned it that way, where we wonder which way to turn, which way to go, or how long we're going to have to wait in this darkness. And at those times, would you please help us to look to and listen for you, listen for your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Lord, we need you. We need you to be our good shepherd who lovingly leads us and guards us, shows us a way to go. Would you please do that in our lives? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me in honor of God's word, God's eternal word. John 16. Verse 16, a little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, you'll see me. And, and because I'm going to the Father? So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while, and you will not see me, and again, a little while, you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Lord, please teach us today what you want us to learn from your word. I pray in your name. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Please be seated. And, and, and let's go ahead and get our notes out, get ready, and walk back through the passage. Take a look at verse 16. A little while, and you will see me no longer. He's talking about the cross. And you might be like, well, why does he just say the cross? And again, a little while, you'll see me. The resurrection. He's talking about the resurrection. Now, there's some debate on exactly, you know, is this what we're talking about? Or, but I, this is what I, I believe, perceive. So why did he just say the cross? Why didn't he just say the resurrection and make it clear. Why does Jesus use figurative words there? Well, write this down. Number one, we've already talked about it a little bit. Jesus wants his disciples to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Jesus wants his disciples to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And so he's beginning to teach them what that looks like. What's that like for them? What's that like for us? Well, Jesus had given his disciples, listen, every indication that he was going to face suffering, that he was about to go back to the Father. He let them know that. He said that over and over. But 
you know, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, so it wasn't sinking in the way it needed to. But here, in referring to his death, burial, and resurrection, we see he uses this figurative speech. You know, a little while I'm gone, a little while I'm back. And that left his disciples saying, man, what's he saying? And again, I believe this is because he wants them to get used to not having him around. He wants them to get ready for when the Holy Spirit's going to be leading them, when the Holy Spirit's going to be guiding them. And the Holy Spirit doesn't always give us all the answers, does he? Did you hear that? When he guides us, sometimes he says, go this way. Well, why? Well, just do it. Okay, I'll obey. Obedience doesn't require understanding, does it? No. So we just follow. We do what he says. And so soon these disciples are going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit alone. They are. And and there'd be many instances where they'd have to walk by faith and not by sight. Well, isn't that what our lives are all about as we walk with and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, that question, isn't that what our lives are all about? As we walk with him and cooperate with him? Our, our direction comes from him. He gives us a direction, but he doesn't make it plain always. There are times when we only know in part, and we have to move forward, and then we go, ah, I see what he's after. I see what he's going for. I see what he wants. And, and as we go, things become more and more clear in the, what God's leading is. I think of Abraham right? The father of faith. He went out, and Scripture tells us that he went out going, not knowing. Look at Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Did he understand it all? No, no, look, look, look what it says. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Again, this is true of us. Life with the Holy Spirit involves a walk of faith. Often, often all the details aren't given to us. They're not. And we have a general direction. And listen, listen. And we find that the plan unfolds as we take steps forward. And honestly, I think if we knew how it was all going to go, the hard times and then the good times, we might be like, the good times sound good, but the hard times, (laughs) I'm out. You better get somebody else. Get somebody else to do the Abraham thing, kind of like Moses, right? Get somebody else, God. I'm not. I'm not down with it anyway. I remember when God called Wendy and I to move back to Ohio. And uh, we had no real clarity. We had no idea where we were going to stay. Well, we started out in an extended stay hotel, and then we went to a camp, lived on the camp for, I don't know, five, six, seven months or whatever there. And we we thought, well, we're here. Uh, What job am I going to do? Well, I guess I'll do recruiting or whatever or loans or something, we're here to plant a church, and I've got to be able to take care of the family. So we kind of came back going, not knowing, but in his plan, he had this church in mind. He did, and we're so glad that he put us together, but the plan wasn't clear. It, it kind of unfolded as we walked along. Pretty soon it was like, a, you know, we had a church plant, and God said, lay that down, and I want you to go to this church, Lake Ridge Church. All right, I'll go to Lake Ridge Church. They're gonna use, they'll help you, and then you can call those people back and plant the church in Perry. Oh, okay, that sounds like a plan. Well, then there was an opportunity to plant the church in Perry, and I thought it was going to go, but then God said, no, I want you to stay. Let, let the, the pastor who's here, Jeff Calloway, go, and you stay. What? How do I know they're going to just stay? Okay, Lord. 
hey, you guys, I'm willing to stay, be your pastor, Jeff. Are you cool with that? Jeff's cool with that. And then in time, the people came to me, the leaders, and said, we want you to be our pastor. And that was, what, 16, 17 years ago, 17 years ago. And uh, so God had this church in mind. This, that was the plan. We didn't have it all figured out. But a life of faith, it means you walk by faith and not by sight, and you trust yourself to God. But it's not always easy, and I'll explain why in a few moments. Take a look at verse 17. Some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. And, and so the question here is, how long was a little while? You know, because a little while could be like, like the dash on the gravestone, right? Born here, wait, born here, dash, died here. And that dash could be short. Some lives are short. Most often, lives are brief and unpredictable. But they could be long. And so in the waiting, we wonder. In the waiting, God, what are you going to do? God, when are you going to remove these clouds? God, when are you going to get rid of this darkness? And it's not easy. And I can remember sitting down at Panera Bread with, uh, I'm trying to remember, um, a pastor, how come I can't remember his name? It's escaped me. Maybe I don't need to mention his name, but I sat down with him, and I said, listen, you, your church is growing. You want me to be part of your staff. Would you just consider hiring me on? And for a season, I'll be a part of your staff and then if a group of people from your church want to come with me to go plant a church, do that. I'll do that. And he said to me, no, that's not what's in my heart and mind. And that's, you'd make a great part of the team. I'd like you to be a part of the team, but you'd have to commit. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And then as he got up from the table and said, well, you have a wonderful day. Uh, I enjoy our friendship still and walked away. I sat there, and I felt like I was in a furnace. I was like, God, what are you doing? How long is a little while? How long do I have to wait? Because I had been in ministry. I was out of ministry. Now I was a recruiter. I was making good money, but I'm sorry. Helping engineers get jobs and making a bunch of money was just not making it for me. I wanted to be back in ministry. I wanted to be involved in people's lives. And God knew that, and I just felt like it was in it. So the waiting, how long is a little while? And you and I can be in that little while. How long, How long, God? Get me out of this furnace. Look at verse 19. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while, and you will not see me again, and a little while you will see me? You know, you and I have hindsight, and we understand that he was talking about his death, going to the Father, that he was talking about his resurrection. He'd come back and be them, uh, with them a little bit. But these men, they had not received, as I said, the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that kind of clarity. and So instead, in their minds, they're just filled with confusion, and they're like, wow, 
Jesus, what are you saying? Just talk to us. And then he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. Get ready, it's coming. This, this you can guarantee. But the world will rejoice because the world didn't like Jesus very much. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow, this is coming too, your sorrow will turn to joy. You got to believe that. And so Wendy and I used to always say, hey, man, God can turn it all around in 24 hours. He could turn it around in a minute. God, I'm just, I'm just having faith. I'm going to trust you for the, how long I've got to be in this oven because you're not going to take me out until the cake's ready, right? Sometimes you, you feel like you're in an oven. Some of you probably feel like that now. God's not going to take you out until it's time. He's never, listen, he's never early. But he's never late. He's always right on time. Amen to that. We'll flip over on the back side of your notes there, and here's number two. Write this down. The cross, fill in the blanks rather, the cross is bitter and sweet in that Jesus had to die for our sins, but then he rose from the dead to show that he conquered sin and death for us. He conquered sin and death for us. Bitter, sweet. Let's talk about the bitterness first. I can't imagine what it was like for those disciples during the time between Jesus' death and that Sunday morning. I can't imagine. Had to be awful, right? Had to be awful. Had to be terrible. Like Jesus said, a time of weeping, time of sorrow. I mean, the man that they loved, their leader, the, the man that they followed, that they trusted, was dead. And their hopes and dreams of a kingdom on earth, that they thought, wow, this is going to be great. It's going to be the Messiah, and it's going to be great. And that he, he's dead. What? Was it all a waste? All this time of traveling and being with him? I love him. He's gone. And in that depression that, that was probably suffocating them, in that depression, they, they had to live and function and think, how are we going to go on without Jesus? How are we going to do this? But then Sunday came, right? Guy wrote a book. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. But then Sunday came, and Jesus rose from the grave. And because he had conquered sin and death, and he came before them. And the joy, as he promised, the sweetness was complete. Well, Jesus described it in this way. Take a look at the way he described it, verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. I heard somebody say that a man would never forget. That's why if the man had to give birth to the first child and then the wife, the second one, and then the man, the third. There'd only be two in every family. And but it's amazing to me that, I mean, Wendy, nine times. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, ow. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time um, we were there, and I was like, oh, my, she's really struggling. She must be getting older, I thought, had that thought. 
This must be, must be tough on her. This was Micah. And, uh, and my, what I didn't know, though, was that Micah had the cord wrapped around his arm and his head like this. And Wendy had to deliver Micah that way. And so it, Micah didn't just wasn't born. The doctor was standing there talking to me, and the next thing I know, he caught him. Poop. I'm not kidding. He caught Micah, and uh, uh, I was like, wow, Wendy is one tough lady. I quickly changed my thought on that. Anyway, let's move on. Some of you, <laughs> some of you are like, how, how are we? Uh, let's just pray. Let's close. now. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know why I went there. I just had to, though. <laughs> well, the scripture went there, right? Anyway, so, all right. So then Jesus went on to say this. Look at verse 22. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Uh, Jesus is saying, man, I'm going to turn it all around. I will turn it around. I don't know what you're going through, but be patient. There will be darkness, but the light is coming. It's always darkest before the wonderful dawn. Amen to that. We'll look at verse 23. He says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Well, what is that all about? What, why in that day would they ask nothing of him? And Well, because they realize this. Ready, write this down. Number three. Jesus is not only the Messiah but also Almighty God who supplies us with all that we need, including the Holy Spirit. I don't think they really understood that he was Almighty God. That's what the Pharisees taught. The Pharisees taught that the Messiah is a man. He's not God? No, he's a man. And so I think, you know, having grown up with that, not having the Holy Spirit, I think they, they were kind of locked in that. So they were thinking that, you know, well, Jesus is doing all these amazing things, but that's God working through him. That's God doing for him. He's the Messiah, but the Messiah is just a man. And I don't think they understood that he was Almighty God. Take a look at Thomas's reaction, Thomas's response when he's before him. I think Thomas truly understood it. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, Thomas. Put your hand and place it in my side. The resurrected Lord standing before him. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. Wow. And so truly, seeing him and understanding that Jesus the Messiah was not just a man as the Pharisees taught, but that he was almighty God certainly would leave them speechless to where they wouldn't have anything to say or anything to ask. But I'm thinking that there was more to it than that, something else to consider that would cause them to be free of questions, and that's this. They would now listen have the Holy Spirit living in them to answer their questions and to teach them. And you might be like, well, wait, wait, hold on. Didn't they have to wait till Pentecost like the rest of the church to receive the Holy Spirit? But I think we need to realize, but look what Jesus did for the disciples, for those who were closest to him. I think they were already supplied with the Spirit and living changed lives before Pentecost. Look at this. He breathed on them and said to them, 
received the Holy Spirit as the resurrected Lord. He said that to those who were closest to him. And I think these men, as he walked with them and talked with them, were equipped with the Holy Spirit so that he could teach them and prepare them in the Holy, as well as the Holy Spirit for that day of Pentecost when there would be a great harvest of the church. Well, let's go back to 23 and 24. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Here, write this down, number four. When they realized that he was almighty God, and they also understood this, check it out. Receiving from the Lord is not a matter of keeping the law, but a result of a relationship with Jesus in prayer. This was a huge change, folks, huge change that was coming to the thinking of these men and to the Jewish people that would receive the Lord on the day of Pentecost and others too. Huge change. Receiving from the Lord is not a matter of keeping the law, but a result of a relationship with Jesus and prayer. One of the greatest lies that still goes on today and is in many churches is this, and that the devil seeks for us to believe is that we're blessed by God through keeping the law. In other words, listen, we're to approach God through our good works, through the good things we do. And if I do the good works and I do these good things, then God will bless me and give me what I want. No, 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 no. It's through a relationship with Jesus. And that's what he was saying here. The only way to receive from God is through this relationship with Jesus personal relationship with him. I used to have that backwards. I used to think, oh, if if I want God to love me, I better do good works. No, 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 no. God, I love God because he first loved me. He initiated the relationship. It isn't through good works. It's through my faith saying I believe. I receive and I have a relationship with him. Think about the thief on the cross. What could he do? His hands and feet were nailed. All he could do is put faith in and Jesus, and then from there, now I do good works, but I'm not doing good works to earn his love. I'm doing good works because I'm loved, and, and I want to please him. I want to bless him. And so you need to understand that. If you're here today, I, I have this question. Have you placed your faith and trust in him and not in your good works? Well, I'm good with God because I've, I've been a really good person. Do you think this person's in heaven? Oh, yeah, they were a really good person. I'm sorry. That doesn't cut it. It's a relationship with Jesus. That's what you need, a personal relationship. So 2 Corinthians 6.2, for he says, in a favorable time, favorable time I listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I, I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross and you didn't understand it was a matter of faith, hands and feet nailed, and that you need to put your faith in him, not in all your good works. If you've never understood that before, you can right now enter into a personal relationship with him because it's a matter of faith. You can say a simple prayer like, Jesus, I need you. I believe what you did on that cross for me. I believe that you sacrificed yourself, that you shed your blood to cover all my sin. Right now, I see you to be my Savior. 
can do that right where you're seated, just between you and him. Well, as we close, take a look. Psalm 30, 11 to 12. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing and have loosed my sackcloth. You've ended my grief. You've ended my grief and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you. How long? How long? Forever, yeah. So are you in darkness and trial just now, are you? Has God been on the move and there's been some dust and darkness that's kicked up around you? It may be a little while, amount of time that we don't know, short or long, but it is a little while in the sight of God. Our part is to trust him and to walk by faith. Here, look at this verse, just to meditate on this before we close. And look at this, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18. For this light, momentary affliction. Randy, this is not light. It's heavy. It's burdensome. It's, it's crushing me. But understand this, is preparing you for an eternal weight of glory. In other words, this one life is brief and unpredictable, as we said, but it is brief. This suffering, this difficulty can't last forever. No, it's in this life. And then you and I, for all of eternity, are going to carry this glory that comes from it all. And it's beyond all comparison. The two don't even compare. What we experience here on earth, it's nothing to what we'll experience in glory. Nothing. And as we look not to the things that are seen, because we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith, but to the things that are unseen, that's why we walk by faith. For the things that are seen are transient, that means they're temporary, they won't last long, but the things that are unseen, those are the eternal things. And that's what we want our hearts to be bent towards. Amen to that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for this message this morning. God, help us to be people who walk by faith and not by sight, Lord God.